Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your co-host with Debbie from the office here. And you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, and guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Debbie, welcome. Hello, Min. Today, today's podcast is improved livability and its future. I mm, guess. Yeah. We've had a lot of discussions about improved livability with um, plenty of people over the last few days since the release of the NDIS review. NDIS 2.0. And funny enough, we haven't had any phone calls coming to Alphys about the uh, concern of IL. Why? Because even though we are a big advocate of the IL category as a SDA category itself, we haven't sold many ILs as a business. Probably three. Mm, three one. or four. No, actually, they won't. Hold that thought. Zero this year. We did three a year and a half ago, and that's it. So even though we've been a very big believer of IEL, we actually haven't had the chance to transact on any IELs because all of our clients see the value of the upgradable HPS as a future-proofed status on, on, a, on a property. But today's topic on this podcast is all about improved ability. Debbie, what is IEL? Let's go to basics here. Okay. IEL is the lowest category of specialist disability accommodation. It is... For all intents and purposes, it looks very similar to a regular property. It hasn't got wheelchair accessibility, so it hasn't got the wide doorways and hallways. It does, however, have more open spaces and better lines of sight. It has luminous contrasts around doorways. It has the handles, door handles, uh, light switches, power switches, all positioned uh, in, in easy to reach locations or in standard locations around the home. Uh, basically, for someone who might be have cognitive dysfunction, maybe blind or sight impaired, hearing impaired, uh, it will make their ability to live in their own home more independently easier. They still need high support and many hours of support daily, but this home allows those sports to be delivered to them and just it gives them more independence in their own home. So at the moment, when about 43% of all SDA participants, and that's, if I can quote from our website here, uh, 24,000 participants in the SDA funded. As of June 23, 24,397 participants are SDA funded in the NDS program uh, 43% of them, I think, are actually improved livability funded. It doesn't mean that they are all living in IL housing, no. It just means that they are sitting idle in a holding pattern in a legacy or a group home or an actual SDA home as well. Now, the numbers are as follows, guys. As of June 23, and I'm reading this data from our website, endos.property, IL across Australia is 283 
these are pipe. What are these? These are SDA pipeline data by SDA design type. Two hundred eighty-three in the IL category. HPS is two two nine eight. Robust is seven forty-one. Fully accessible is one eighty-eight, and hybrid is thirty-four. So that adds up to a total of three thousand five hundred forty-four pipeline SDA under construction as of June twenty-three. Now of that SDA pipeline uh, as of June twenty-three, apartments across Australia was one two nine zero. 1290. Uh, villa duplex townhouses are 870. Uh, houses were 1267. Uh, and group homes were 117. So, funny enough, Debbie, apartments were number one there. Apartments were 1290 and houses are 1267. So, almost neck and neck there. Okay. So, uh, HPS is the big winner in the four categories. And apartments and houses are neck and neck 50 50. Um, well, not 50 50, but uh, probably 45, 46% each. Yeah, across those two. So back to the point on hand, improve livability. Debbie, what are the biggest I wanna I wanna have a little friendly debate between you and I here. Can you talk about the concerns or the challenges that people are concerned about and they're ringing around to their providers, to their agents and to other experts? Why are they so worried about the the the, the disappearance of IEL in the long term? Please give us the the negative feedback backlash on that topic there. Okay, well, obviously, if people are in the process of developing IEL, they might be uncertain as to whether their property is even going to get certification and therefore be in, um, included in the SDA scheme. I think it's also led to a bit of uncertainty in general about SDA, and I, I think that might come down to a, another line in the review recommendation that was all the, the other three SDA categories, high physical support, robust, and FA, should also be reviewed for I can't remember the actual wording, but for suitability and to make sure that they are value for money. Uh, so I guess if people are, are looking to the review committee to say, hey, we don't think IELTS value for money, we don't think it should be included anymore, what's them to stop in a year or two saying, we don't think FA's value for money, it should be included? Well, it, I guess it leads to uncertainty with the entire SDA scheme within the larger NDIS. That's my take on why people are kind of freaking out or a bit concerned about this. Okay. My opinion is as follows. Do not be concerned. And I'm giving you both sides of the coin here, the pros and cons, the good and the bad, the likely and the unlikely. Okay. This is, you know, I, had, I don't have a crystal ball. We don't have a crystal ball. But I'm giving you the positives here, not the negatives. The positive here is the following. 43% of the 24,000 SDA participants are IL. If you're going to, going to defund them and kick them out of the SDA categories, where are they going to go? They're sitting in SIL housing right now and Legacy. Legacy, as you know, Debbie, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is being defunded. Correct. Within five years from when the NDS began. I think it was within 10 years within 10 of when years. SDA okay, began in that state. Sure. So therefore, in five years' time, legacy in Queensland, South, uh, Melbourne, sorry, Victoria and New South Wales are going to be phased out, correct? Based on those numbers? Cool. So in five years' time, those ILs who are living in those legacy homes will no longer be in legacy homes. They'll be living in IL homes, in theory, if it is not removed. But if IL homes are removed, where do they go, Debbie? Well, that's a really good point. To um, still housing? Which is kind of what the review were 
in my mind, leaning towards when they said a new SDA category would be brought in that is only giving the funded for the supports, not the actual bricks and mortar, i.e. it's a SIL home. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm going to assume, and I don't expect anyone to argue yes for me or against me here, that that rule that you're that proposal that the NDS government, the NDS is proposing to um, roll out as part of the review reboot, applies to all future uh, would have been IEL funded participants qualified, and all the existing new builds that are IEL will retain their IEL status, and all the SDA funded IEL participants who aren't currently IEL funded will retain their status. I don't believe. But the government is going to destroy SDA. And what I mean by destroy SDA is, is, is what I mean, the following. Let's assume Armageddon, the end of the world here for SDA, which means no more SDA funding for IEL participants. So they've, they've all disappeared. They're gone. Well, what's left? HPS and FA and Robust? Like, we can't even find HPS participants right now. This assumption assumes, if this makes sense, the assumption now becomes everyone is all in wheelchairs. Everyone is in wheelchairs out there, which we know is not the case. Correct, Debbie? Correct. 50% maybe. I reckon 35, 40 currently, right? Okay. So if right now, I mean, three years ago, we knew that everyone was building too many HPS houses out there. We know that. That's a fact. That was a bigger concern out there, Debbie. There were too many HPS houses, too many HPS apartments being built. So now we're taking away IL. In theory, it's gone. We go back to building HPS again, NFAs. That's all we build now. But there's not enough participants for HPS and FA out there. So I don't think, and I'll call the bluff, I don't think the government is going. I think. Look, I think the government will st- will stop future IO funding approvals in, in three, four years' time from now. Yes, I think that will happen. But all the existing participants who do have IO will, will retain that IO status of funding. And if they happen, if they happen to find in a, an IL HBS or FA or IO dwelling, they can move into that dwelling with their existing IO funding. That's what I firmly believe will happen. To to go against that is to destroy all of SDA which means all the investors out there in the last three, four, five years, and the next three years too, by the way, have put all their superannuation money, all their savings, they're going to lose all that money when all these houses are going to go empty. I don't think that the government is going to be so uh, intent on removing all IL in existence. That is my opinion. I have nothing to base that on other than common sense. The government said 20 years of funding. They said that, Debbie. So if the government has given authority for investors, well, not authority, approval or the blessing of investors to build IEL housing and have IEL participants in the house for 20 years, it's grandfathered in to let them stay there. And I believe that was part of the recommendations that current status would remain. Yes. So is not the end of the world, people? I don't think so. And right now, it's only a recommendation. It's not approved yet. And if it is approved, it'll be approved in four or five years' time to get rid of IL. But guess what, people? In five years' time, your IL house will have received 150000 per year for five years. Is that not correct, Debbie? What's 150000 times five? Has that not paid off the house? Almost. So in five years' time, your house is paid off in theory, right? In theory. Are you with a, do you have a useless house now? Well, no. It could still re- retain its IEL status, or it could be converted to a SIL house, or it could be used as... Regular residential. Regular residential, yeah, exactly. Because it looks like a regular home. 
For those investors who are on the fence right now who are about to start construction, I think the way forward, and I've had a two or three meetings already with two or three very well uh, established, experienced providers, I sat down with a floor plan which I had come across four, three years ago. It was a dual key design house, house being a key word, not a duplex, not a townhouse, not a villa, it's an actual house. Dual key, robust house. And why I'm saying this is because, look, if you're going to build a HBS house, you're going to build a HBS house. That's, that's a given. But we're talking about the alternatives here. The alternative is a dual key, robust house with a robust participant on one side with the carer, on one side, and the other side is a robust participant and a carer, oh, away, other side. And they will share, they will have a um, fire-rated wall halfway through the house with a shared kitchen, enclosed kitchen, right? And two outdoor fresco areas and additional lounge room and home office as well. So it's not really a true dual key, but it, in f- effectively it is. But it, very, it completely separates those two living spaces. Now, why is this design I'm talking about right now, why do I think it's a solution to the current confusion here? Because of the following. This design house, a dual key robust house, is also a dual key IL house, Debbie. So what's two ILs? 150000 a year. What is too robust in this dual key house? 180 a year. Even if the government, again, this is the worst case scenario, they remove IL from the system and there are no more ILs, this robust IL dual key house reverts back to a robust dual key house. So you build it as a future-proof design house for IL or robust. You treat it like an IL house, right? And in four or five years' time, IL continues, continue being IL. Or... It's a robust plus robust participant, or it's a robust only. To me, right now, what is the rough estimated SDA income for two robusts in a house? Roughly. It's about 90 issue, right? Yeah. And we know that 80% of robust participants cannot share. So we know that. So assume five years from today, and today is 90 grand, by the way, CPI of 3, 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%, 4% inflation. That 90 grand becomes 93, 97, 102, 105, 105, 107 grand income per robust participant on each side. Let's assume there's only one there. One. There's one robust participant with one carer or two carers. And we do know, Debbie, there are sometimes there is two or three carers for one participant. We do know that in robust category, right? So let's assume that we have one participant robust high-intensity supports with one or two carers on site at all times, 24-7, that's still 105 grand a year rent after those five years of 150, 160,000 ILs, okay? For one participant. Yeah, one participant. Worst case scenario. So if you were a negative investor who said it's gone, IL's gone in five years' time, well, the design, the way forward is a dual-key robust house that allows flexibility to be IL, IL, robust, robust, robust only, or seal, 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 plus OOA. We're creating a flexible design house which allows for multiple, a multitude or multiple outcome of different participants, okay? Because as I said to you, if you were going to do HPS anyway, you would have done it. But if you can't afford the HPS, this is an alternative right here because you've got to think with the outcome in mind here. The outcome is support services being care providers, they want to be able to look after participants in a profitable manner 
efficient manner and a flexible care supports manner where they can handle multiple participants. That is my argument as to why is not the end of the world when it comes to this IE or confusion here, Debbie. That's my opinion, my opinion only. I've shared this with, with various other people out there as well, and they will agree to me. Now, what are your thoughts about my, with my opinion, Debbie? What are your thoughts? Well, I've, I've also been sharing the concept of that floor plan with people I've been speaking to. I think it's, it's definitely a way out of this, an, an option to still potentially do a lower build price, if that's the reason, or if you just feel that there is still an undersupply of IL, which there is, it's a great option. But I think, yeah, robust has been, okay, in some areas, there's been a lot of robust development. In, in most areas, it's well undersupplied. So I think that's a win-win, that kind of a, a concept, a floor plan, for sure. Just in case IO is gone, we're okay. But if we're right and IO stays forever for the existing build and the existing participants, we can, we, we, can, we can run IO forever for the next 20 years. Yeah. And I, I believe the, the current IELs will remain as they are. I guess it's just a question of if the, the powers that be that are going to go through these recommendations and work out what will be implemented and what won't, when is the big question? When's that decision going to come? When's that information and notification going to come? But yeah, as you say, Min, I thoroughly believe that it will all be grandfathered in what's currently there. Mm. If anyone wants to talk to us, we'll, we'll be available in the next few days before Christmas ends up, closing the shop. Happy to give more of our thoughts over a few more episodes and podcasts from other interviewees that we'll talk to as well, who want to have their input as well. We've shared our thoughts with very other experts and they also agree with our, um, our ideas here. It's not the end of the world. We, d- we must adapt to the changes. And as, as we keep on saying, Debbie, future-proof your product, adapt to change, and you'll be okay for the next 10, 20 years. Okay? It's when you listen to the wrong people, giving you the wrong advice, that's when you get into trouble. Okay? So be wary of who you talk to. Um, use common sense. I mean, we're not the experts. We're not the seers of SDA. We can't forecast what's going to happen, but we're using an educated guess as to what we think will happen. And as I said, you know, we'll know in four years' time, three or four years' time what the outcome is. Until then, IL still remains in the system. IL builds are still going to proceed because if we allow fear or uncertainty to affect developers and builders and investors from entering the SDA market is going to create, Debbie, an imbalance of supply and demand, being mm. more demand than the supply. Okay. That's all I have to say, really. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Look, ultimately, you know, there's been so much investment, and I mean, not just talking about investors' money, but investment by providers and builders and developers and the NDIS itself into the SDA scheme. They're not going to throw it all away at the whim of some recommendation that may not have been fully thought through. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of looking into the repercussions of something like removing the IL category. So, yeah, look, I think then we're not going to see big changes to SDA, certainly not for quite a while. And as you said, Min, future-proof your property and you'll be fine anyway. If you can't afford HPS and you can't afford the risk of a government decision on affecting this part of the market, then don't come into SDA. Do not. If you believe in it and you can future-proof your asset, you have the funds to deliver a product to market, go for it. Okay? 
Anyway, Debbie, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll go from there. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.